Welcome back to another special edition of Boys Don't Lie the Podcast. It's your boy, Owen Burke, O'Breezy. We are bringing you today every pick, every grade, every, every analysis from the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, draft happened about a week or two ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, I am a little late with the grades, not going to lie to you. Uh, got back from the draft. It was a four or five day trip with the 12 hours on the road, each uh, up and back. Uh, had two days, two, three days at home. I uh, worked a couple days and then went back into Wichita with Shea again. So I've been up and down and around. So <clears throat> not going to lie to you, I got back and... Did not feel like doing quite literally anything, so uh, I put it off for a while, but we're finally here, going to break down the first round of the draft. Um, Going to go through every pick. Um, The grades are really based on biggest need, best available, and who was on the board around them. If there was a bigger need that they could have addressed by also getting a top guy, that would have fell in subsequent picks afterwards. So, not going to spend too much time on the picks that we already knew, that being the first two, really, um, just because I've talked about them so much in in Mock Draft 1 and 2. So, we're just going to hop straight into it today. If you're here today, I appreciate you for listening. Um, Make sure you keep keep your eyes peeled. I know we say this every single time we have an episode or a special, but we have a lot, a lot of cool stuff coming out soon, so make sure you keep your eyes on our page for updates soon. Uh, hopefully get the playlist updated soon as well. Um, I've been lacking on that a lot as well. That's my fault. So, uh, But we're just going to hop right into it today. So um, first round pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Uh, it's an A-plus grade, not really anything to talk about. He's been the best quarterback in the nation since he won the title as a true freshman. And was a Heisman contender as a true freshman. Um, this kid is probably a top five quarterback prospect ever coming out of college. No more you need to say. The Jaguars would have had to pick literally anybody else to mess this pick up. So A plus, simple enough. Number two, the Jets take Zach Wilson. I give it a solid B, B plus. Um, kind of just depends on your opinion of of the quarterbacks in this class, where you think Fields is two or Wilson's two, or even if you had Lance or Jones at two. Um I like Justin Fields a little bit more, so I can't give him the A grade. Uh, but the BB plus, they feel like Zach Wilson's the guy for them going forward. Um, they had, uh, so it's not a bad pick, you know. If that's their guy, that's their guy. You know, that's what I've always. That's the draft philosophy that I preach is: if you feel like you have a guy that you want, and you're like, this is the guy that we want to take at this pick. Even if you could trade down four spots and take him there, and probably be okay. You go get your guy where you can get your guy at, you know. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that when it comes to the, the Niners at three. But when you feel like you need to get this guy, you know, people are like, oh, they could have traded down and taken Wilson at five or six. No one was saying that. But, you know, if people are saying that, you got to get your guy where you get your guy. Uh, also, the Jets nailed their second first-round pick later on. They are probably one of my, if not my biggest winner from the first round overall with their two selections. Um, pick three, Trey Lance to the Niners. <clears throat> I give it a, I give it a B minus. Um, I want to go higher. Also want to go lower. Um, you just have, there's a lot to go in that goes into this pick. They gave up two first rounders. So they were originally at pick 12. They were orchestrating a deal to go to six 
with the Dolphins, but then the Eagles decided they wanted to hop in the trade as well. Um, and they were up at three or something along those lines. Those three picks were dealt around. Uh, the Niners moved, gave up two first round picks to go up to pick three. So that's a lot that you gave up right out the gate. And they went and take a kid in Trey Lance, who has a lot of talent, a very, very high ceiling. A lot of people think that they would have been better off with Mac Jones. There's a possibility of that. Mac Jones, I think, is a safer prospect, but you don't give up two first-round picks to go up and get the safe prospect. That's the only thing about that. Now, the only reason I don't give this a higher grade um, is just because they gave up so much, and I feel like Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback on the board. I think you were lucky enough to get Justin Fields to fall to three, and Justin Fields ended up sliding to 11. That's where the Niners get a little bit of a, a downgrade, in my opinion, for their for the draft. But for Niners fans, anybody but Mac Jones. So, I mean, I think they're happier with Trey Lance than they are with Mac Jones. So that's the caveat behind it. You know, you gave up a lot to go up. I don't you probably gave up a little bit too much to go up and get him when you probably could have got him back at nine or ten. But like I said, if you feel like you need to give up two first rounders to go up and get your guy, do it. But it is your grade is going to suffer a little bit, just like it did with the Jets as well. Um, Falcons pick four. Kyle Pitts. Um, I nailed this one in our second my second mock draft. He was actually the cover art in an Atlanta jersey. Um, kind of just dawned on me after a while. I was like, well, Hayden Hurst hasn't really panned out. He's coming up on his fifth year option, which they have subsequently declined since the draft. So he will be a free agent after this year. I was like, Atlanta, I just, I was like, I don't see them going QB. It's like everyone says they need it. I think it was a necessity, with, especially with how, how deep this quarterback class is. If Trey Lance was on the board, I think they really would have considered it a lot more because he's a guy that you sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, maybe two, and then let him loose. Um, he's going to be thrown into the fire a little bit in San Francisco, and that may hurt Trey Lance in the long run, but only time will tell. As for Kyle Pitts, great add to their offense. Um I think it's going to be feast or famine with him. It's going to go game to game. Uh, some games he's going to have zero catches on two targets. Sometimes he's going to have 10 catches on 12 targets. Uh, it just kind of depends on who the defense decides to single out in those games. Atlanta has a lot of weapons. You double cover Julio, I've got Calvin Ridley, I've got Kyle Pitts. You double team one of the other ones, I've got Julio in the third as well. So they're, they're a very talented pass offense, and we'll see Arthur Smith run a very, very heavy run offense in Tennessee. He's the new head coach out there in Atlanta. So I don't know how the execution is going to go. He doesn't seem like the most creative offensive mind in the game. But it's going to be interesting to see nonetheless. Kyle Pitts is going to put up numbers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's just about figuring out when and who is he taking catches away from because there are two talented receivers in that set. Bengals, uh, pick five, Jamar Chase. I This was probably the biggest swerve to me of the first round, um, of at least of the top ten. Just... You know, I had talked about this in mock drafts before, and I, I picked Penny Swole both times because I was like, there's no way. I was like, Cincinnati plays in this in the AFC North, one of the toughest divisions of football, which has some of the most the best defenses in the league. I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you have to all give them credit where credit is due. They played as a unit last year, and they were a top 10 defense because they were anchored by two stars and a lot of veterans that just love to go to work. They don't have that same defense this year, but still, out of the last 10 years, the Pittsburgh defense has been top 10 more than they've been bottom 10. 
And I could say the same thing about Baltimore. Baltimore is the exact same way with their top 10 defenses. And the only thing that they're missing right now is an edge rush. If if Baltimore, if Jason Owe turns out to be the, the animal he's supposed to be, and they can add some supplementary pieces, keep Pernell McPhee around for another year or two, Baltimore's got everything but an edge rush right now to be the best defense in the league. I think they have one of the best cornerback trios, and they added to that in the draft. I think they have two bright young safeties that just have to learn how to play together. They're great individually, but Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott have to work on their communication and their chemistry a lot more to get there. Um, And then you also have the Browns defense, which is also extremely talented. Now, they don't live up to their potential usually as much, but they are capable of surprises. We saw what they did last year. There's a chance that their defense decides to kick it up the same way their offense did last year. So being in such a defense-heavy division where you're going to run into those defenses six times on your schedule and then have a possibility of playing like the Rams or you know another team that has a good defense. You're guaranteed to play six hard defensive games of football out the gate. All six, in my opinion. And then you're just going to tack to that. So why you'd take pick five and go get a receiver instead of the best tackle in this class... I just that's that's where it goes sideways with Cincinnati. I know I didn't want to spend a lot of time on picks that I've talked about before, but I'm just in utter shock. Yes, you bring Jamar Chase in; he was the number one receiver for Joe Burrow in the best year, arguably the best season by any college quarterback ever. So you bring him in. Yes, it's a great pick. Now the only way I give this pick probably like a solid B plus, and I, I don't think I graded Kyle Pitts, but I'll give that one an A. I'll go B B plus. I don't know, man. Because Jamar Chase is a hell of a player. And if Joe Burrow texts Zach Taylor and is like, hey, I'd really like to get Jamar at five, you know, I'm gonna I will that that's where this pick becomes a lot more acceptable to me. If he asked for it. If Joe Burrow, you know, came out and politely asked you to go get his former college teammate, I can understand trying to keep a young quarterback happy. That's fair enough. Now if he didn't ask or if he was demanding to get Jamar, I think Penny Sewell had to be the pick here. You have you just spent the number one overall pick on this quarterback, and he tore his ACL in his rookie year, and then you land in the top five again, and you have a chance to put the best offensive lineman in the draft to protect this guy. To do you have a chance to buy a warranty, a fucking a a policy, a, a no sweat protection plan that's gonna that's gonna protect Joe Burrow for the next five to ten years? And they went receiver. I just. It, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me. I get it. I get how good they were. Trust me, I know more than most. But you can't pass on the best tackle when Joe Burrow tears his ACL. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. That's my rant on <laughs> the Bengals and their situation. Moving into the Dolphins. Um, Jalen Waddle at six. Uh, I give it a solid B minus B. Nothing against. <laughs> Excuse me. Woo! One slipped up on me. Um, nothing against Jalen Waddle. I like Devonta Smith a lot more. Um, which originally I was the other way around. I was huge on Waddle, and I just I was like I felt like Smith was kind of catching matchups here and there. Um, but I don't. Just I think Devonta Smith is a better route runner, really. Um, and I think that's where guys that's where you see separation happen in the league. It's very weird, but speed does not generate separation league. You can ask Hollywood Brown for the 16 games of the regular season. Like I said, he turned on the postseason, but 
Hollywood Brown was the damnedest thing to watch because you can I could watch him run a four three. Uh, just about any day of the week, I can watch him run a four three or a four, you know, four four one or something, you know, insanely fast, insanely fast. But he cannot create separation off of Richard Sherman. It makes no sense to me. So I've gained an extra set of appreciation for route running. That's why I like Devonta Smith a little bit more in this class because he doesn't rely just on on that speed like Waddle does. But if Tua can turn his arm up, which that was his biggest knock, he's got the guy that can go deep now. So I give this a solid, it's going to fall B minus to B plus range. Um, I honestly, I would have considered Penny Sewell here, uh, protect your quarterback going forward or any QB that steps into Miami in the next three to four years. Um, but I mean, you can't turn down something, you know, a weapon for your, for your young QB, your offensive line isn't as bad as Cincinnati's is and Tua didn't get hurt like Joe Burrow did. So that's where they get a little bit of a pass, but I would I would say that they probably should have went Penny Sewell as well, man. If you got a young quarterback, or if you just if you have any quarterback that you feel like you need to invest in, which I'd say there's a solid fifteen to twenty of those quarterbacks in this league, Penny Sewell should have been the number one guy on your draft board. There's he is a once in a generation. Now I could just be saying this, and he could be the worst tackle in this draft behind Rayshon Slater and Christian Darisaw. Hell, maybe even Alex Leatherwood, but. This is who we think is going to be the best offensive lineman in the draft. You have to add him and protect your quarterback. It's not that hard. And I didn't think the Lions, of all people, would prove to be the smartest team in the top ten. What are we doing here? Detroit is outdoing the rest of the league. We have issues. I give this pick an A-. minus. I would say A+. plus. I don't think they have a quarterback to invest in. Jared Goff is not a guy... To um, t- that I think is worth long-term investment, maybe short-term, transitional, you know, something like that. Um, the the rebuild continues in Detroit. It's never really, I mean, it started when the franchise started, and it's continued ever since. Um, I think this is a smart move. Uh, I don't know who Jared Goff is going to throw to outside of TJ Hawkinson this year, but the Lions are going to figure it out. If nothing else, DeAndre Swift's getting 30 carries a game, call him Drew Hiriyama, and move on. So... I like the pick. Um, they could have used the receiver there as well, but I can't. <laughs> I can't give the Bengals and the Dolphins flack for taking a wide receiver, not an offensive lineman, and then not praise the Lions for turning around and doing the opposite. Um, pick eight, J.C. Horn. <sighs> this is one of the tougher grades. Um, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I wasn't a huge J.C. Horn fan. I like Pat Sertain more. I'm not the only one that was like that. Um, I think Rayshon Slater would have been a really good pick here as well. I talked about that in mock draft too. Uh, protect young quarterbacks. I think Sam Darnold is a guy that I'm willing to invest in, at least a small amount, to try to see if he's worth investing in long term. Um, but they get a number one corner to pair with Jeremy Chin going forward in their young secondary. You have Brian Burns off the edge. If Jason Horn turns out to actually be the best, you know, corner in this class over Pat Sertain and Greg Newsom the second, then I think this is a slam dunk A pick. I think it's right at the B mark because I like Sertain more. So for me, it's a it's a B. Address the need, but I would have probably went elsewhere, honestly, with the pick. Uh, Broncos. Patrick Sertain. For the pick, for the player, at the position, at that at that time of the draft to pick nine with a corner already off the board, it's an A-plus pick. It's a great pick. It's a great player. I think he's very, very talented. Now, for Denver, with 
I think they're three deep at corner already. You have Ronald Darby, you have Bryce Callahan, you have Desmond King the second you added in the offseason. I don't think corner is the thing that you address at pick nine. Now, a lot of Denver fans were upset. A lot of them loved the fly zone thing, and that's the 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 caveat here as well as the Niners was yeah, we got Trey Lance, but hey, we didn't get Mac Jones. Well for <clears throat> for the Broncos, like, yeah, we didn't take what we needed, but at least we got a really good guy. It's just now you're 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 taking somebody, bumping him into a fourth string corner slot that you're going to be paying a lot of money to because you don't draft Pat Sertain to be a third, fourth string nickel situation type corner. You know you want you want that guy to probably be in the game a lot more than that. So I'll I downgrade the pick to like a B a B plus because here's here's the issue: the Denver Broncos have had quarterback issues since Peyton Manning retired. That's been five plus years since Peyton Manning has retired from this league. In those five-plus years, five, six years, the Broncos have had a top-ten pick three times, and they have yet to address their quarterback situation in those three picks. They've taken Paxton Lynch. That didn't pan out so well. We've tried Trevor Simeon. We've tried Drew Locke now. We've tried Brock Osweiler. We tried Joe Flacco. We can't figure it out in Denver. Apparently, Drew Locke's the guy. I don't know why you wouldn't take Justin Fields sliding all the way to nine, but I'll talk about Justin Fields a little bit more here in a bit. So the Broncos really should be an A, but they just it gets bumped down. There's better, there's bigger needs that can be filled with top positional players at those positions at pick nine. So I I bumped them down to a B. Ten, the Eagles move up over the Giants uh, to take Devonta Smith. I'm I love the pick for the Eagles. I give it an A. I don't know why. I don't know. I didn't think New York was going to add a wide receiver, so I didn't feel the necessity to trade up. That's the only reason I don't give it a higher grade. I probably landed like an A minus B plus. Um, they needed a guy. Uh, they needed a guy in the secondary, and I think this is actually the guy that's going to help them the most. Jamar Chase would have been the biggest add for them because they need a guy that can do it all type deal. Um, and I think Jamar Chase is the most well-rounded receiver in this draft, but getting a speedster who has – Elite route running is definitely never anything that you want to shake your head about, especially when you have a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts as well. Um, as long as their offensive line can stay healthy, I think this is a great pick. I think they needed the receiving. They went Jalen Rager. Justin Jefferson went a pick after. They had to go back to the well a second time. Rager wasn't the guy. So here we are. I like Devonta Smith a lot. I think Rayshon Slater could have been uh, looked at here. Um but I think just Devonta Smith is too good of a talent. The second best receiver in this class to me, I don't think there's any reason he should fall past 10. So pick 11, Justin Fields. I'm going A+. Plus. I don't care. I think Chicago's probably the biggest winner of the first round with this trade. I don't even care what they gave up. I For, for expectation to reality, my expectation was Matt Nagy is trying to save his job. They're going to flounder, take a guy they think can help now, but it's just ultimately going to hurt them in the long run. Well, they decided to get aggressive and went after a rookie quarterback to to go into some seasons that may decide whether they keep their jobs in Chicago. So it's a very, very bold pick. I think they've they've put themselves in a really good spot. Nagy and his coordinators, whoever is on the hot seat in Chicago, have put themselves in a good spot to where you don't really want to get rid of Matt Nagy now because he's Justin Fields' head coach. That is going to kill Justin Fields' career if you have him learn and learn and learn and get coached up by this guy, a great offensive mind in Matt Nagy, I'll, I'll add, 
and then you're going to pull him out and just insert a new head coach in year two. That's going to stunt his development heavily, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if Andy Dalton's going to be a starter week one. We don't know if Justin Fields is. I don't know what the deal is. I think it should be Fields. I love Andy, or I wouldn't say I love Andy Dalton. I give him a lot more respect than Bears fans or anyone else around the league does. I saw what he could do in Baltimore. He's. I watched the Baltimore play the Bengals twice a year, and Andy Dalton's nothing special, but Andy Dalton is like the eight and eight. Like that's Andy Dalton. Is hey, I'm here to you know, I'm here to play some football and win a couple games, but not a lot of games. And to for <laughs> it's sad, but to the Bears, that's an upgrade. So I wasn't too you know worried about it, but they move up to eleven uh, from the Giants and get their quarterback of the future. Man, I I think it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan. I'll tell you what, um, they protect him going forward. They've got a good run game to lean on. You have Allen Robinson. You have some decent, um, you know, backup receivers. You know, second, third options. Uh, I think the Bears' offense is great going forward. I think Justin Fields is a sleeper for NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I think he can put up numbers. It just really depends on when they decide to put him in the starting lineup. Um, pick 12, Micah Parsons. Um, I'm going to go B, B minus. It depends on how they play him. He has a lot of talent. He's probably the best athlete. Probably, he's probably the second best edge rusher athletically behind his teammate, uh, Jason Owe, who got picked back at 31. Um, but Parsons is such a great edge rusher. He's great in run stop. He can cover well. There's your trifecta of linebackers going forward if you're Dallas. I feel like, I don't know, man. Uh, those The two run-on corners at 8 and 9 really messed the Cowboys up. Um, I might have traded back farther than 12, honestly. Um, but, you know, I think they added a defender. That's better than nothing because their defense needs help at every level. So hopefully Michael Parsons is the guy, whether it be in the linebacking core or in the defensive line room. 13, Chargers, Rayshon Slater. Uh, I've seen other people that give this like a B, B minus, B plus. I'm going A minus, A. Um, I think the Chargers, this is the theme of this draft right here. So this will save me a lot of time pick to pick. We talked a lot about it with the Bengals. I talked a lot about it with the Bengals. Talked a little bit about it with the Chargers, or not with the Chargers, with the Dolphins, and a little bit with the Lions. If you have a young quarterback or a guy you feel like you need to invest in, you go get a guy that's going to protect him. You get a guy that's the same age as him so they can grow up and they can both play till they're 35 on your roster together and they're best friends like Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning. It's not that difficult. The Chargers say, hey, drafted Justin Herbert in the top 10 last year. Holy cow, he might be the best QB in this class. Let's go get a tackle to protect him. They get a mauler and Rayshon Slater is going to be great in the run game. He's very athletic. He's going to get out and block for Austin Eckler on screens. He's going to be a great left tackle and pass protection for Justin Herbert going forward. Great, great, great pick. I thought they were going to have to settle for Christian Darisaw here. I think he's the um, – they could have went Elijah Vera Tucker as well, but I think Slater falling to 13 is such a great, great pickup for the Chargers going forward. Jets at 14. So they traded up. Originally, this was not the Jets' pick. Uh, they moved up to 14, take Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. He could play tackle and guard. Um, like I said, hey, we just took Zach Wilson. Let's go get a guy that's going to anchor him on the line. They already have Makai Becton. Now you go get Elijah Vera Tucker, so you have that versatility. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He maybe dabble in the center a little bit. Great. Get a QB. Invest in the offensive line. Move on. 
and and go for it. Offensive line is always should be more important than targets to throw to. That's and that's weird coming from a Ravens fan, but it's true. But we have our line in order. That's why I want my receivers. So uh, Jets, I'd probably give that an A minus A pick for Lajver Tucker. I think it was a great move. Uh, the trade knocks it down a little bit. They did give up a little bit to go up, but. Like I said, man, I'm all for the add a QB, add an offensive lineman's uh, approach. 15, Mac Jones ends up a Patriot. I give it a B. Uh, I think he fits into Josh McDaniels' offense really well. I think he's a Tom Brady-esque QB. The comparisons, as hilarious and as joking as they are, they are there nonetheless. Um, Sits behind Cam for a year, learns everything he can from Cam just from having thick skin. I think it's a good thing for Mac Jones to learn and then also learn everything of Josh McDaniels' offense and get ready to go because you're going to be the starter next year once Cam's a free agent again. Um, 16, Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa to the Cardinals. I feel like they needed help um, on the inside of that defensive line. I think Christian Barmore would have been the pick, but he fell all the way out of the first round. They get Zayvon Collins. He's a great, agile linebacker. Uh, He's probably going to be Hassan Reddick's uh, replacement in the linebacking core. I think it does fit a great need. I think to get a great guy, um, I'd probably give it a BB plus. He fits just about everything you want out of a linebacker in today's game. Stop the run. He dabbles in speed rush, and he's great in coverage. 17, Alex Leatherwood tackle out of Alabama. I, In retrospect, I give this pick a BB plus. Because originally, the first time around, I had them getting Trayvon Mooring in the first and then addressing offensive line in the second round. While they went Alex Leatherwood, who has a second-round grade, take him at 17 and then somehow still got (laughs) Trayvon Mooring out of TCU in the second round. For this pick by itself, this is a C-minus, D-plus pick. Alex Leatherwood is a second-round graded tackle. They could have got him in the second round. And the majority of why this pick stinks to me is because there are at least two, if not three tackles that are better than Alex Leatherwood in this draft. The Raiders did it last year. They took Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board with guys like Jerry Judy and CD. Not Jerry Judy. Was it Jerry Judy? Maybe. CD Lamb was on the board and Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager were all on the board. Henry Ruggs first. So they like to reach on Alabama players in the first round. That's what the Raiders draft philosophy is under Mike Mayock and John Gruden. But, uh, it didn't work out too well, but not too bad with Ruggs. So we'll see how they do with Leatherwood. But this is, to me, one of the biggest losers of the draft. Just flat-out pick-wise, like, there are better players we can address here. Like, what are we doing? As for the next pick, the Dolphins take Jalen Phillips out of Miami at 18. Um, I give it a solid B. It's really hard to try to decide which edge rusher you liked most. In this draft, uh, where they like Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, Gregory Rousseau, Jason Owe, Mike Parsons. Who knows? There's a lot of first-round talent um, in this draft. Guys are willing to slide and fall. It's going to happen. Um, Jalen Phillips, a little bit of a question mark health-wise. He's had some injury issues in his past, but his draft stock shot up um, when Miami had their pro day. He's a great athlete with a lot of technical prowess as well. Uh, he fills a need for Miami, and I think he's going to be an instant help for them in their pass rush going forward. I give it a B. Washington takes Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, at, um, at 19. I give it a solid B plus A minus. think he fills the need well. I like uh, Jeremiah 
Owusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame. Browns got him in the second round. I was not happy about that. I think he was the best linebacker outside of um, Michael Parsons in this draft. I think he was. Um, Jamin Davis was a close second. He ends up going to Washington in the first round. I think he fits a great – he fits right in the middle of that defense. I think they need a guy that's going to lead the middle of the defense. I think he's their middle linebacker going forward. I think he's the captain of that defense. Kind of you have you have Chase Rung, your your edge rusher, and then you know you have Kyle Fuller back in the back. You have Montez Sweat on the other side edge rushing. You need that guy that's going to hold down the middle of the field. Jamin Davis is that guy to me. This one here we go. This one, pick twenty. Kadarius Tony out of Florida goes to the Giants. Um, they moved back to this pick from eleven. Um, I give it. I give it a B. I want to go higher because I like Kadarius Tony a lot. I think he's a great weapon guy. He does a lot in the run game. He does a lot in the pass game. He returns well. He's a he's a trick play trick play magnet. This is the guy that if you have a creative offense, he's gonna do a lot for you. If you don't have a creative offense, he's he's a slot receiver. That's the issue. I don't know how creative the Giants' offense is. I also think there are a lot of better receivers on the board. I also don't think the Giants need a receiver at all. I think they're three deep at receiver. You have, um, is it Golden Tate? I always get a mix. I think it's Golden Tate's your one. Darius Slayton's your two. Sterling Shepard's your three. And then you draft Kadarius Tony. Joe Judge's offense better be pretty, like, Kadarius Tony's not a wide receiver to me. Kadarius Tony's not a running back to me. He is an athlete. He is a playmaker. This is a guy where you get the ball in his hands and you let him do damage, whether that's a wildcat set where he's taking the snap, whether he's running jet sweeps, whether he's running strictly slant routes, bubble screens, I flea flickers, I don't care. This is the guy that you need to get the ball to his hands and let him go to work. I don't know if Joe Judge's offense has that stuff built into it or if he's going to take the time to build it in this offseason to get the most out of Kadarius Tony. So that's why it's sitting at a B right now. If what I expect happens, happens, he's it's going to be like a C, C+. Plus. If they if they take advantage of it, it only goes really to a B plus because like I said, there's not a need at receiver to me. There are much, much bigger needs. The Giants aren't a perfect roster. There are still a lot of holes to be filled, and receiver was not one of them to me. So uh Colts take Quiddy Pay, edge rusher at 21. Um I don't know. I don't know. Fits the need. He has a lot of holes in his game. Um he has got the He's got the raw talent. It's just he hasn't produced yet. Now, I'm going to be the biggest hypocrite in the world because I'll say that about him, but I won't say that about Jason Owe at 31 to my own team. But that's it is what it is. I make the draft grades. I could be hypocritical when I want to be hypocritical. So um, I also just really for the Colts, I think there's more – there's places you could have addressed first. I think receiver, would, another one would have been something you look at here, especially with Rashad Bateman on the board. Um you look at T.Y. Hilton, he's not getting any younger. You just invested in Carson Wentz. And right now, Michael Pittman Jr. is your number one receiver in the long-term situation. Uh, that's not something that I'm okay with if I'm an Indianapolis Colt head coach, offensive coordinator, GM, or if I'm Carson Wentz himself. I'm not happy about that. So um, not a bad pick. Fills the need, but there are bigger needs with better talent on the board at that pick. 22, Caleb Farley. Bah. C plus B minus Titans. Drew, I love you, but um not a great pick. His boom potential. There's a possibility he's the best corner in this draft class. There is there is a ten percent chance of that. There's also a 
15 to 20 percent chance that he is out of the league within three years uh just off injury issues alone he's had three back surgeries before this draft uh so chronic back problems um that's really where your concern comes in if this kid stays healthy i think he might be the steal of the first round to be honest with you but that's a massive, massive what if. And the Titans, to me, aren't in a position where taking the what if guy at 22 is the best thing you could do. So I give it a solid B minus. Uh, Vikings get Christian Derisaw at 23. Um, I love this pick. I give this an A. The main reason I love this pick is because I had them taking him at 14. Uh, they ended up trading back and still getting him here. I think it's a great move for the Vikings. Um, I think he's a great pick for the Vikings. Protect Kirk Cousins, and you get really a guy that's going to bolster your offensive line for your run game as well for Dobbin Cook going forward, and hopefully whoever proceeds and and takes over after Kirk Cousins leaves, he's still around to protect him as well. Uh, 24, Steelers, Najee Harris. Um, There's another thing. I don't know, man. The need is there, 100%. Um, Definitely better players on the board. At a lot of other positions, and at positions that they're that they have a necessity at, I think tackle here as well. Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State's available. Liam Eckenberg is available here. Um, there's there's quite a bit of tackle talent that could have been taken at this pick. They go running back, like I said, the needs there. Najee Harris might be the best back in this draft, but I don't know if he's worth the 24th overall selection. So I gave it a solid C. Um, but time will tell. He's gonna have to play extremely well like James Robinson type rookie year for him to really live up to this pick because it's just a high pick for a running back for for a team that took James Conner and he was a great steal out of the third round and then just let him walk in his first time hitting free agency and they did the same thing with Le'Veon Bell before him so I don't know if spending a first round pick on a running back is good because I can't guarantee he's going to be on a roster in Pittsburgh in six years. Because the last two running backs that they've taken that have became one backs in Le'Veon Bell and James Conner both left after their best years in Pittsburgh. They had their career year, struggled a little bit, and then left in free agency. Both of them did. So I don't know if spending a first round pick for a guy to do that in five years is worth it to me. So the time will tell with the Steelers pick as well, but I'm not a huge fan. 25. This is another big fumble in the draft to me. Um, I've talked about the quarterback offensive line dynamic. Like I said, I just said it about the Steelers picks. There's two first-round tackles to me that are still left on the board, if not more, here at 25. I get Travis Etienne was the running back for Trevor Lawrence his three, four years at Clemson. I get that he stacks in and has instant chemistry as a you know a bailout checkdown target for Trevor Lawrence because they have that connection of playing together for so long. But I just talked about James Robinson. This kid was arguably a top 10 running back in the league last year in his rookie year, top 12. He put up the numbers like it. You know, a lot of people won't elevate him to that status, but he put up top 10 numbers last year as a rookie. And then they immediately drafted another running back in the first round. I don't understand. Like and like I said, unless Trevor Lawrence texted Urban Meyer and said, hey, ETN's available. I like him at 25. Fair enough. I'll keep my QB happy. But... What I would have said is, hey, we could probably get him in the second round. We have an early second. Let's address ETN at 34, 35, and let's take a tackle here so you're not sitting on the sideline halfway through the year with a knee brace on. But here we are. Uh, I give it a solid C again. I have nothing against ETN. I like him more than Najee Harris, to be honest with you. I think he's a safer pick. He fits today's NFL more. 
he's a he's a receiver out of the backfield. Uh, it always helps to have that in today's game, a guy that can catch out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, the guys that do it well get talked about a lot. Um, but having having a rookie running back go for 1,200 yards and then taking a rookie running back in the first round in the next year's draft just doesn't make any sense to me regardless, let alone the need and the talent on the board at the tackle position. Uh, 26, Browns, Greg Newsom the second. I think it was a great spot to take. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I'm still getting his name down, and I'm probably still saying it wrong, but I think that was the t- pick to take him here, but you get him in the second, he becomes probably arguably the steal of the second round next to Trayvon Mooring and Christian Barmore. Um, but I think this is your supplementary guy. This is the guy that's going to stack well next to Denzel Ward going forward. You have Jabril Peppers in your secondary still. The this and they drafted Grant Delpit last year as well. The t- the Browns secondary has a lot of talent. They have the edge rush. It's all about production. It's always been about production with Cleveland. Talent this, talent that. He's top ten here. He's top five there. Eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine. Let's produce on a football field. The Cowboys, the Browns are slowly turning into the Cowboys because it's talent this, talent that, Odell this, Baker that. Here we are sitting at the bot, you know, third spot, second spot in our division behind a team that is nowhere near as talented as we are. So it's time for the Browns to start cap- capping on their potential. I think Greg Newsom the second is a very good. It's, it was another really hard thing to try to rank the corners in this draft with Pat Chetain, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, and Greg Newsom. Pat Chetain's an animal. I like him the most. Uh, J.C. Horn's very, very solid as well. Caleb Farley has a chance to be better than all three of those guys, and Greg Newsom's fitting right in at that four spot and arguably one of the safer picks here. So I like it for the Browns going forward. There's a lot of receiver talent in that AFC North now with Jamar Chase and Rashad Bateman adding in. They're going to need the extra coverage help, and I think it fits well in a good spot and a good need. Uh, I give it a B-plus at 26. Rashad Bateman, 27. Um, A lot of people weren't happy with this pick. Said Baltimore could have filled a bigger need or they could have got a receiver later on and filled a bigger need now. I love this pick. Um, I didn't think Rashad Bateman was going to be available at 27. I never had him falling past pick 22, I believe, in either one of my mock drafts. Um, it was a wet dream for me to get him at 27, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a little, it's a, maybe a little overboard, but Baltimore, I want receiver help. That's That's been the number one thing. We cannot have Lamar Jackson throwing to Willie Sneed in Hollywood Brown for his entire career. He's not going to succeed that way. Lamar is a very, very good thrower, and if you don't think Lamar Jackson can throw a football, you're not watching enough Ravens games. You're watching the highlights on YouTube of the guy that says, look how bad Lamar Jackson is. Well, yeah, of course he's only going to show you clips of how bad Lamar Jackson looks. I can do the same thing and show you – and if I showed you just video, you'd never seen anything about football before, and I show you two compilations of clips from Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I could have you sit there and think Lamar Jackson's a better on than Patrick Mahomes, when that is nowhere near the case. But to think that there's people out there that think Lamar Jackson legitimately cannot throw a football well is absolutely ridiculous. He has brilliances. He has brilliance with a flashes of you know of things that need to be worked on. You know, a lot of QBs like Mitchell Trubisky is flashes of brilliance and a lot of bad play. Lamar is brilliance with a couple flashes of bad plays. Every QB has bad throws. He has more bad throws than most. But he also has a lot of those 50-yard dimes over the top that no one wants to talk about. Because whenever it happens, it's like, oh, well, their defense is bad. Duh. Well, he'll play a good defense or a bad defense. You'll say the same thing regardless. 
Baltimore needed receiver help. They addressed it at 27. I think it's a steal. Uh, a lot of people were mad with the Tylen Wallace pick in the fourth round. He's a second-round talent. We got him in the fourth. I was extremely excited about that as well. I loved I loved every pick that Baltimore had through the through the fifth round. Ben Mason, I don't know about, and the D-end out of Notre Dame, I don't know about, but I loved Baltimore's first five to six picks in the first five rounds. Um, so, And Rashad Bateman was near the top of the list. I, I'd probably put him behind Jason Owe because I like Owe that much more, but I was extremely happy with how Baltimore landed in this draft. There's a chance that neither of these guys pan out, but there's also a chance that they become perennial pro bowlers in this league. So... Say what you want about bigger needs this, bigger needs that. Baltimore has not had consecutive, you know, back-to-back thousand-yard receiving yard seasons since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It was Derek Mason. We've had three or four guys hit the thousand-yard mark since, but nobody has ever done it even twice, let alone consecutively in the last ten to twelve years in Baltimore. Hopefully, Rashad Bateman is the one that stamps his name at the top of that list. I'm hoping he is. We'll see what happens. Uh, Satan's take Peyton Turner at 28 out of Houston. Uh, I give it a C minus a C. Uh, fits the need, but I don't. There's better talent, 100 percent better edge talent. I can. There's two edge rushers that three edge rushers that went after him, and I'd say at least two of them are better, and one that slipped to the second round is better than he is. So fills the need, but it's just one of those things where there's better options. This pick pans out as long as he turns into a pro bowler, but as of right now, he's starting in the bust category because it was a reach. Um, pick 29 Packers, Eric Stokes. It's another one of those picks where it has like a six, you know, a grade. It, it bounces in between. I give it a B minus a C plus. Um, Everyone's talking. Aaron Rodgers is the big talk of the town, obviously. With everything that's happened, he's demanding a trade. He wants his GM fired. He doesn't want to play in Green Bay. This, that, and the other. The bottom line is I don't think Aaron Rodgers has a better chance to win a Super Bowl than the Green Bay Packers anywhere in this league except for Kansas City, maybe. There's there's very seldom offenses that are better than what Green Bay has. That's the bottom line. They have a top five, if not top three receiver. Robert Tunyon is a pro bowler. Don't act like he's a top five tight end. He's probably top 15, top 10. Um, You have Aaron Jones, who's probably a top eight, top 10 running back. You have a great offensive line. He's not going to find a better situation anywhere else. And I don't really feel like the Packers needed to draft a receiver at 29. There's receivers that I would have taken at 29 and been okay with it. I would have taken Elijah Moore. You run Devontae Adams at one, Alan Lazard at two, and then you have Elijah Moore fits perfectly, picture perfect in your slot receiver role. That's a great thing. The only reason this pick gets down is because Aaron Rodgers said he wants to leave. He said, you have not drafted a skill position on offense outside of myself in the last 10 to 15 years. Well, they've taken Jordan Love, two offensive tackles, and Aaron Rodgers are the only offensive players that have ever been taken in the first round since Rodgers himself was drafted. That is an issue. They have lucky to hit on Robert Tunyon and Devontae Adams in later rounds, and Aaron Jones as well. They have lucky to hit those guys in late rounds. Or right now we'd be looking at a Packers offense that is little none outside of their offensive line and their quarterback. So I don't think it was a necessity to go get a receiver here. I think a corner honestly was a better pick, but I want to do whatever makes Aaron Rodgers happy at this point because he is our best chance of winning a Super Bowl in the next three years. 
if if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay tomorrow, they go from Super Bowl contender to probably a bottom 10 team in this league. All the talent in the world, but you can't do anything without a quarterback. And you have a top five, if not top three, one on your roster. You have to keep him happy. The fact, and that's what, you know, everyone's talking about, like, why can he be so upset? They have such a great offense. You're sitting here telling me how good their offense is. Why does he want out still? Because the constant denial to listen to what he wants. If you're willing to invest all, like, he was one of the, he was the highest paid quarterback in the league at one point. That is how much you're willing to invest in this guy. You're willing to give this guy, you're willing to roll out the the Brinks truck. The Brinks truck with the tailor, the trailer attachment on the back of it. You're giving this guy a big bag. You're telling me that you don't care what he wants on the team. I'm going to give you all this money, but then I'm going to piss you off and not take anybody you want. What type of sense does that make from a from a business perspective? If I look at all my customers out there in the world, if I'm, if I'm running a grocery store, there's this one guy that comes in and spends $3,000 on groceries every week. And he's just, duh, 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 you know, he's all this money. And, you know, everybody's telling me, hey, you should add this to the store. You should add that to the store. You know, and I'm listening and I'm adding some stuff, not adding others. You know, there's some good ideas. There are some bad ones. You know, that's the way of life. But then the guy with $3,000 comes up to me and tells me, hey, we should do this. It's not a great idea, but the guy's giving me $3,000 a week. Maybe I should, you know, this guy's giving me the best chance to win a Super Bowl that we've had in the last, you know, I, I can't. I can't with Green Bay. I don't understand. I feel like you'd want to keep him happy. If you're going to pay him all this money and he's going to give us a good chance to win, why do we not want to keep this guy happy? So whatever Aaron Rodgers wants at 29 is what I'm taking. I don't care if he wanted to kick her at 29. I'll sacrifice a first-round pick to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. It is worth that to me. So the bottom line when it comes to the Packers is the last 25 to 30 years, they have had two starting quarterbacks, main starting quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Two of the best quarterbacks, probably two top 10, if not two top 15, top 20 quarterbacks of all time in league history. They've had those two guys as their primary starters the last 30 years. Two Lombardi trophies. Tom Brady, who I think is nowhere. Tom Brady's the GOAT. But, you know, I don't. it's very hard to explain. When you put it on paper, you compare what Brett Favre brought to the game, what Aaron Rodgers brings to the game, what Tom Brady brings to the game. From a skill set and what they do on the field, take the mental aspect out of it. Tom Brady is third on that list out of those three guys. Tom Brady has seven rings. Seven. Three times plus one what Green Bay has had in the last 30 years, which is, granted, only 11 years more than Tom Brady has been playing. But, and you've only got two rings. That's that's where it is with Green Bay. So when people ask me, Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that, I'd say that the franchise doesn't know what they're doing, and even if they did, they would still wouldn't do it. So... Uh, Bills, pick 30. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, the other edge rusher out of Miami. Talon is there. Didn't play last year, but I think he fills a need. There's not a lot of needs to fill there in Buffalo, but I think he brings a little bit of juice to your edge rush. Uh, it's only going to make your secondary even better than it already is. Uh, I think it's a great pick for Buffalo. I give it a B plus, A minus, honestly. I think it all depends on how he pans out, obviously, versus the other edge rushers in the class, but I think he's a good fit more than anything in Buffalo. Pick 31, Jason Owe, edge rusher out of Penn State to Baltimore. Like I said, hypocrite this, hypocrite that. I talked about the Colts. 
they're not in a position to get a, a boom or bust pass rusher at 21. Baltimore is nowhere near in the same spot. They need production now, and they drafted a guy that hasn't had a lot of college production, but he has all the talent in the world. But I love this pick because uh, Baltimore usually doesn't get this guy. Baltimore takes the you know the the technically sound the this is the guy that's the best on the board. We're taking this guy. Jason Owe probably wasn't the best on the board, but I think he definitely had the highest ceiling of anybody on the board. And so as a Ravens fan, as a guy, I'm not used to getting that in our drafts. I'm very excited to get that this time around. I give it a solid uh, B plus, A minus. Like I said, could be better talent on the board. Not really in his spot to to go with the boomer bust guy, but I I really love always talent. The the athleticism is is otherworldly. This guy is going to come in and athletically be a top five pass rusher in this league. He is a a freak of nature athlete. Now, if he can get the talent down in the 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 technique and you know, which he's got a lot of good mentors in Baltimore, Calais Campbell, and a lot of guys that have played there in the past. Um, I think this is a great fit, and I'm really really hoping that he nails and and he sticks and becomes a perennial Pro Bowler because. I love this pick. This is probably going to be one of my favorite picks we have if he lands. We will see if he does. Pick 32, Buccaneers take Joe Tyron out of Washington. Uh, edge rusher. They had all 22-plus starters back. Not Like I said, they could have done really anything they wanted. They add edge rusher, which is one of the needs just because your D-line is aging a little bit on the outside with Nadama Kitsu, who's actually been playing defensive end since he got there. Uh, they get Joe Tyron. Stacks up with Jason Pierre-Paul and Nandama Kitsu for now. Two great mentors and Shaquille Barrett going forward. And I think, you know, you're kind of set up to have him be the guy going forward, whether Shaquille Barrett leaves him free agency in four or five years uh, when those two other guys retire. Hopefully he fills the shoes. It's their bigger shoes to feel. So um, that's going to do it for our first round. I give that last pick. I think I don't think I graded it. There's probably some I forgot. If I forgot to grade it, text me or at me on Twitter. I'll give you a grade on the spot. Uh, I give that last pick for the Bucks probably a B minus, B plus, somewhere in there, somewhere in the B range. Um, but that's gonna do it for uh, first round mock grades. Um, I had a great time in Cleveland. I had a great time seeing all the boys again. Uh, being at the first round of the draft was a surreal thing for me. I didn't get to see Baltimore's picks. It was raining, and we had already been out there for like five hours in the rain before the draft started. So we decided to head to a bar and grab a beer and watch the draft there. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't be happier sitting around the table with a group of guys that I was with kicking a beer back and watching Roger Goodell and booing from the bar. Um, and I loved both of Baltimore's first round picks. So I couldn't be happier as a Ravens fan. Uh, if you're a Jets fan, I think you're really happy. If you're a Jags fans, you're pretty happy because you did get Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, not so much, but if you're the bears, you're extremely excited. Uh, at the end of day one, Raiders fans were probably upset, but they got Trayvon Mooring in the second, um, so that was good to look up to. Uh, Houston and Kansas City got in their second-round picks, uh, so some teams didn't have a first, but I think a lot of teams are going to end up happy, and I'm really excited to see how this rookie class pans this rookie class <laughs> how this rookie class pans out. Because, like I said, I think there's probably 40 to 45 players that are first round level talent and there's only 32 picks to be had. So I think there's a lot of talent in this class. I'm very excited to see how they go. Uh, honestly, I think this is probably going to be one of the best draft classes we have um, in the last five and the next five years going forward. There's so much talent that was taken in the first two days of this class. And honestly, there was a lot of talent that was taken in the third day 
Um, you know, you have guys like Sean Wade, Talon Wallace go there, and then guys like Dylan Moses, who was a consensus top middle linebacker in the entire nation at one point when undrafted. Foster Serrell, who was considered to be the best uh, tackle prospect out of high school at one point in his career, went undrafted. Uh, so there's just there's a lot of talent, man. So I'm excited as a as a fan of the game to go out there and watch these rookies play on Sunday because there's there's a lot of fun football to be played this fall, and I'm I couldn't be excited. Couldn't be more excited to be a Ravens fan or a fan of football in general. So if you made it all the way through, I appreciate you for staying around. Um, let me know what you guys think. If you think I messed up, if I missed something, or, or if you have any questions, you know where to find me. You know where to hit me up at. So um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week on BDO.